You know, I, I told, uh, told Pastor Marion that it's always uh, such a pleasure to be here because every single time, it was two years ago, was the first time, uh, right? It's two, this will be the third time, so it was two years ago, right? Um, and God just sowed our, the hearts of our family to, to this church, to this place, to you all. And when I come here, uh, I'm always so excited about it because, because whatever it is that I, I'm able to share with you all, it's just, it's multiplied back to me. I leave here so recharged and re-energized. There's something so unique about this place, about this church, about what God is wanting to do in and through this church. I, I was sitting over there and during, during worship, and I heard the Lord just strongly say this to this body. Failure is not an option. And I was like, wait a second, Lord, what do you mean by that? Well, have you ever watched a game show where you got door number behind door number one, door number two, door number three, and you get to pick which one? There is not a single option, not a single door of which if you open it, failure is there. It's not an option. Do you hear what I said? It is not an option. The, I, want you to, I want you to latch on to that uh, personally, individually, because that's what, that's what his word is for you tonight. It's not an option. You're a believer. It's not an option for you to fail. It's not an option for things to, are we going to, do we go through things? Do we go through struggles? Do we go through things? Yeah, the righteous man falls seven times a day, but what happens? Come on, gets back up. The Lord picks him back up. Let's go. Let's do this again. Let's do this again. Failure is not an option. What is the vision for this church? Why has God planted the man and woman of God, the caliber of man and woman of God into this community? Why? To make a difference, to be difference makers. Failure is not an option. So how many of you are signing up to just jump on board with this vision of this place, of this house? All those families being served meals. I'm telling you what, and the opportunity is going to increase and increase and increase for God to move. It. Whoever has got their hand up in the air going, Lord, I'll be a difference maker. That's me. I'm going to be that person. Opportunity is going to abound for you to do that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> and I, start, I was over there, and you told me that. I just started laughing. I was like, oh, that's so good. Failure. Choose the, pick a door. Pick an option. Failure's not one of them. It is not an option for you. Just take a deep breath. Doesn't that just energize you to understand? Failure is not an option for your life. It's not. You are a winner. Do you understand that the church that this church is under, the authority that's under, it's called Winner's Chapel? Did you know that? Winner's. We're a part of winners, everybody. We're part of winners. Thank you, Lord. And I have a word for you to plan. Make the plan for your success. Plan it. Be intentional. 
write out what does my life successful, what does that look like? What does it look like, the things I want to see accomplished in my life? Write it out. Be intentional with it. Oh, that's a good word. Because God's looking. The scripture says the eyes, hit eyes of the Lord search to and, to and fro across the earth, looking for who he's going to show himself strong to. And you know what he's looking for? Are men and women who are going to get intentional about building their life, be intentional on this is how I'm going to win in life. I'm planning for it. I'm planning on it. What does my life look like as I win? And plan for it and pray for it, and speak for it, and move for it, and guess what? You're going to have obstacles that hit you. You're going to run into your Jerichos. You're going to run into your giants in the land, and what do you get to do? You get to look at that and figure out, how am I going to knock that wall down? How am I going to kill that giant? How am I going to climb that mountain? How am I going to overcome? We are not of those as the 12 spies went in we're not of those that 10 came back with an evil report and as pastor isaac shared last week that grasshopper mentality right we are not grasshoppers we don't see ourselves as grasshoppers because that's what the 10 came back and said they said we see ourselves we see ourselves as grasshoppers therefore they see us as grasshoppers if you see yourself as a little bitty and insignificant, your entire world around you will see you as insignificant and little bitty. And that is not your portion, everybody. That is not who you are. That is not who God has made you to be. Say it, I'm a winner. I'm making plans to succeed. And that's the way you live your life. You're making plans to succeed. Obstacles come. All right, what is it going to look like when I'm past this one? What does it take for me to get past this one? And your life will never be the same again. Failure is not an option. Tell the person next to you, failure is not an option. So how are we going to climb this mountain? How are we going to do it? How's it going to happen? Not if it's going to happen, everybody. It's not if, Pastor. It's not if. It's when. It's when. Come on, stir yourselves up here tonight. Hallelujah. It's not if. The greatest amounts of wealth in companies and businesses are made in the most difficult of moments. Do you hear me? So what are the opportunities that are around you right now? Well, I don't know. I don't see them. I had a word one day. I was teaching... And in the middle of it, the Lord told me, he said, there is a woman here, a stay-at-home mom, that God is going to give her a billion-dollar business. So I just stopped. And I said, this is what the Lord told me to say. I'm throwing it out there. Was it a week later? Uh, this, a week later, this lady, uh, a woman and her family, same one, came up and said, the Lord had given her a dream of this company, the name of it, the whole thing. <laughs> it was... Within, I mean, they plowed and plowed and plowed and plowed. We watched them for 10 years, sacrifice, build, cry out to God, hit monumental problems, issues, all of that type of thing. And this year, well, a couple of years ago, they actually broke into the first multi-million dollar 
year, and I think it was this year, this year, I just went over through some of their numbers and finances with them and all that type of thing, and they exceeded the $10 million uh, uh, gross, pro gross margin, gross revenue, and, and incredibly making, uh, making really good money on the bottom line. And you're like, <laughs> so here's the thing. I know these stories because I get to live this with people. She had more opportunities to quit all along the way. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Say it, I'm a winner, not a quitter. It's not if, it's when. So here's what the Lord wants to do. Tonight we're going to go through, we're going to go through process uh, again. I, 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 you're probably, you probably realize this by now. I'm not interested. I am not interested in teaching and talking about things that do not have immediate impact in people's lives. The Word of God is powerful, and if we learn we learn how, the how-tos of the Word of God, your, your life will never be the same again. So we're going to talk about how do I walk out of here and impact my world? How do I do it? This morning we talked about how in the midst of us moving forward, how is it that we, when the enemy, when we come and we're advancing and we come and run into the gates of hell and he uses his tricks and his wiles, the cultural lies and all of that, how do I stand in the evil day? And we talked about that, right? What do we do? We put on the armor of God, and it's not some flannel graph thing. This is real. It's power-filled, and when I put that armor on, I get infused with power to stand. And young people, when those wiles of the enemy coming in, that you've got to embrace the sexual culture of this time, or you've got to embrace this culture, this narcissistic culture. No, you do not, because the Word has, God has something way better for you. And tonight, we're going to take it to the next step of how do I infuse God's power into the world around me. Amen? Lift up your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see what you have for us tonight. Holy Spirit, we are your vessels, Lord God. We're winners. We're making plans to succeed. Great things coming. And Father, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, be seated if you would. So we're going to go, I want you to go to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to be going through several different verses and scriptures. Thank you again to the worship team. As I said this morning, I just, I love coming here. And I'll tell you what, these young leaders, you guys are, are growing up around here, men alive. Uh, the worship leaders, Pastor Stephanie, amazing. This whole group up here. It's, uh, it's been fun to watch you, the growth of you young people from one time to the next, what's happening in you. So I just wanted to make mention of that. Um, in Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 13. This, of course, is the story of Jesus teaching the, the, the story of the sower, the planter, right, uh, and the seed, all right? So in the previous verses, he's actually gone through and, of course, said about the sower planting the seed, and they come to him and they go, Jesus, what, what does this mean? And he says in verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How are you going to understand all of the parables, all right? So the principles, if, if you want to understand any, any parable that you read in the New Testament, it's all unlocked in this one. That's what he said, right? If you, if you understand this one, you're going to be able to understand all of them. And here in verse 14, it says the sower, the planter, sows what? All right, what does it say? The sower sows what? The word. All right, this is very, very critical to where we're going. The sower... The planter plants what? The word, all right? 
plants the word. Okay? Now, go with me to John chapter 1. And we'll just start in uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was what? The Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word. All right? So, the sower plants what? The Word. The Word is what? Is who, I should say. God. All right? Is that what we just put together? It's pretty easy to put these two together, right? The planter plants the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So is it easy enough for us to say the planter goes out and plants God? Is that too far to jump? Pretty simple. Is everybody with me? Because that's really critical for where we're going. The planter is going out planting the word. The word is God. So therefore, he is going out and he is planting God. Now, this is critical for what we're going to talk about because what I'm talking about tonight, what we're talking about is how are we, how do we become difference makers in every single day of our life? How do we do it? Now, it starts with understanding how is difference, how is true difference made in other people's lives. At the end... We all, what, we, what, what people are missing is they're mi- missing an encounter with God. They need God in their life. Religion, everybody, is not the answer. Religion is the problem. Religion is not the answer. Religion is the problem. Why? Because what religion does is put a facade of God out there that is not who he is and tells people if you do enough, if you say enough, if you live the right way, if you if you package yourself right, God is going to accept you and then you get to go to heaven. And all you other suckers out there that didn't do it, to hell with you. True or not? Okay? And that's religion that is not God. The answer that the world needs is not judgmentalism. It, he, what the world needs is God and who he really is. I was asked to speak at the conference for this business I was just talking about uh, a couple months back. And they were launching a new segment of their business. And there was like three, four hundred people uh, in this building. And they were of all backgrounds, all faiths everything. It's a business. And they had all of these people in this room for training and for the business launch of all of that. And they asked me, she's always told the story of how it was at church that God gave her this idea, all of that type of thing. And and she asked me to come and do one of the opening segments. So introduces me as Pastor Bill. And they understand that they're going to hear how to succeed in your business from a biblical standpoint. They were all good with that. I was 45 minutes into the talk that I was given. And I, I, made this, I, I made this statement. You are God's gift to the world. And it's through you that he wants to bring himself into the world to show how much he loves you, loves the world. And as soon as I said that, I sensed that in that room, there were so many people that could not ever see themselves as God's gift. God's gift to anything. 
And I began to speak to that. And the presence of God filled that place. And there were people just bawling all through that as, they, as God began to show them how much he loved them. There were people, there were Muslims, there were atheists, all of which, which God's presence was just all over them. And they began to weep because of experiencing God's love. Not, God's, not this religious thing. They were experiencing God's love for them. That is at the end what the world needs. Do you see that? Yes or no? But the, the critical question is, is how do we take that knowledge and take it to a world and take it to a culture that has basically written us all off as religious zealots and you all believe what you believe and I'm going to believe what I believe. How do we make the bridge to them? Is it enough to get mad at them? I've talked to people and they're like, oh, I'm so angry. I'm so mad at my relatives. We start talking about God and they can't, it's, I can't understand it, how they think that way. Anybody have relatives like that? All right. In your own experience, you're like, I can't, I can't, we can't even talk about God. How do we make the bridge from where we're at to them? That's what we're going to talk about here. The sower plants God. That's what he's doing. And is there anything impossible with God? No. Nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. All right, so let's talk about a couple of things. So now with that foundation, that we understand that the seed that is planted is God, Right? That's who it is. Let's go. I want, to, I want you to just to, uh, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. We quoted that this morning, but I want us to take a look at that. Because it helps us to understand why it is that people believe the way they do. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says, Who minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So, who is blinding people's minds? The God of this age, right? And we talked a little bit about that this morning. How through uh, the culture, through media, right? It started, I would say, and, and, and I was, let's see, in the 80s, I was, you know, 10, 11 years old uh, and, and, and on up from there graduating in 1989 and it was during that time that i at least believe that movies really begin to to portray christians in a negative way they begin to intentionally like you would see it thrown in movies and sometimes if you go and watch old movies you'll catch that like they'll always make the christian look like the weird guy right the zealot the the un, you know not able to be in touch with reality and it grew from there Right, it grew from there until where it is right now. That in the culture, the culturally speaking, you're a right wing zealot if you're uh, somehow a, a person of faith. Right, that's the way they would like to to portray it. Where did that come from? Who is behind that? Right, blinding people's minds. So, does it help in situations culturally when I'm in difficult situations like that? Do I get to just come and start telling them what the Bible says? Does that help situations? No, it doesn't. In fact, in most cases, it's going to push them farther out the door. 
And you're like, well, but why, don't, why can't they see? Well, something is blinding them. Has any of you ever welded before? Raise your hand if you've welded. Okay? All right. This is, I, I'm, I'm going to use this example, but there's only four of us that have ever been in that situation. All right? So, so bear with me. Okay? Hopefully I'll find a better one here. Right? All right. So when you're welding, okay, you have a ton of power, depending on the type of, of welder, right? You've got a, a lot of electricity that is flowing through this. So you have this ground, right, that you put onto the metal, and then you come in with the, the other side of it, and it's got a stick on it. I'm using just basic terms here. That's metal, and when the arc hits, the power of that melts that metal on that rod and melts it into the other one, welding things together, all right? Now, that power is so strong that if you are to look at that when that happens, it will burn your eyes, make you go blind. So, what do you use? Yeah, you got a big welding helmet, right? And I always remember that I'm trying to like put the, you know, make the arc, you know, when you're first starting it and you're trying to see, but you got to get it just, and then you hit it like that, right? And now you can see through this welding helmet. But if you don't have this incredible, this power going right in front of you and you pull that off, can you see anything, Pastor, when you're walking around? You're going to walk out there and go driving in a welding helmet? Well, that's going to be a bad day. Everybody, that's what the world has on their head. They've got a big old blinding welding helmet right on top of them and they can't see. And you might sit there and you can say, well, hey, go that way. Come on, idiot, go right. Go, no, 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 go left. You're about to run into something. They can't see. And you're going over there screaming, upset as you can be because your uncle does, is, doesn't understand and doesn't believe the gospel. He's got a big old blinding welding helmet over him that has been woven culturally all around him to why they believe what they believe. Do you see that, yes or no? So this is something that I learned early on. Early on, I learned that if I'm in an encounter with somebody who is not a believer, and it's something, some, an ongoing relationship, one of the most critical things that you must do is bind the blinding spirits off of them. Intentionally bind the blinding spirits off of them. We've done this, uh, uh, Natalie, as you all know, is from France. They've got... Gosh, it's less than one half of 1% of the population that are Christian. I mean, it's just, it is a, it, a culture that has gone so godless. And the churches there are t- being turned into mosques. And the ones that aren't being turned into mosques or museums or whatever the case might be. And it, it's, it's just a godless, blinding culture. Well, as we have learned this process and, and utilized this process, we have seen Her cousins get saved, we've seen her parents get saved, and we're continuing to work that into those relationships, okay? Now, what did we do? One of her first times her cousin came over, it was probably, I don't know, 14 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, came over to visit us, and and I'll tell you, this young lady, man, she was lost. She was so depressed, um, just just really in a really bad place. And we did that. Natalie and I got together. Satan, in the name of Jesus, we bind the blinding spirits off of her. In the name of Jesus, you've got to go. And Father, give her a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of her understanding be opened. Did that. 
We go to church. She's like, hey, I'm in America. I'll go to an American church. She comes back. We're sitting around the, the, the counter lunch, and she just begins to weep. She's like, I've never experienced anything like that. What is that? I want to know all about that. Right there, she gets saved, goes back, finds a church. She ends up being a street evangelist in Paris, people. She is like preaching the gospel to people. She's a leader in her church. She just got married. Uh, uh, we were able to watch that by Zoom uh, via France. But her entire life has gotten turned upside down for the Lord. She's now led several of her family members to the Lord. All that started because step one, you got to get rid of the welding helmet. Don't get mad at people. Don't get upset with people. If it's not for the grace of God, where in the world would you be? We don't get angry with people. We use the weapons God has given us. They can't see because there's blinding spirits on them. Get, address those blinding spirits. Stop being mad at your children that have lost their way. Get rid of the blinding spirits. You see that, yes or no? This is critical for us being a difference maker in the community. It starts with us being wise enough to understand what the problem is. And you just sitting there preaching at people, it doesn't, that's not going to do it. You have to know when it's time to share. You have to have, have, have laid the groundwork in relationships prior to it. Do we see that, yes or no? So, step one is we understand that the sower plants the word. Okay, and that word and the power that's inside that we understand that that is God. All right. So I'm going to start with you beginning to make a difference in your world around you. It starts with you becoming a person who speaks God's word over their life, over their family and over their business consistently. You becoming a person who speaks God's word consistently over your life, your family, and your business. Well, what does that look like? For me, that looks like first thing in the morning, declaring God's word proactively over my life. Now, once again, the sower, the planter, plants God's word, which is God himself. You're like, people will pray, God, please come, come, and, and I want more of you in my life. You ever prayed that? God, I want more of you in my life. Guess what? You have a recipe to do it. It's your mouth. It's you. You are the planter. You begin to plant God's word where it is that you want it. I've shared this story with you all about the time when Natalie and I first started our first business. And things weren't working. And I've shared with you how I'm sitting there and I'm praying, God, I know the problem's not on your end. Our businesses are failing. Things aren't working. The problem's on my end. Please show me where I'm missing it. And in that moment, I come out of my body and I look and I see around me. One of my, I've only had two of these open visions like that, and this was one of them. And I saw these bored angels standing around me. Three bored angels. And what did God tell me to do from that day forward? Bill, speak my word over your life, over your family, over your business, because it activates things in the spirit realm. When you become someone who plants God's word, creativity happens all around you. When you're quiet, though, and this is what happens when problems hit, when obstacles hit, what do we tend to do? What do we, plant, what do we tend to do? We get quiet. 
It's a normal response. It's a normal reaction. But our responsibility, if we want to see difference made around us, plant God himself, plant his word into your life, into your family, into your business by speaking over that. First thing in the morning I start. Lord, you've made me the head and not the tail. I am above only and never beneath. And I'll tell you, sometimes I'm looking at the giants of giants staring at me. How are we going to get past this one? How are we going to do this? How are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle that? I have got to infuse God himself into those situations. Not by me getting fearful and drawing back and, oh my, what am I going to do now and, and be fearful, right? That is the response that is normal or human. But no, what do we need to do? Plant God into those moments. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the head and not the tail. I am above only and I am never beneath. I'm a lender and not a borrower. This is all out of Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses, right? My enemies come against me one way and they run away in seven different directions. And what begins to happen is I speak that. And as I speak that, as I speak that, I am planting the true difference maker, the God that created the heavens and the earth. I am planting that into my life. And difference begins to happen. Now, if we want to live a life of whatever comes my way will come my way, case that all, that all, whatever will be, will be, we just float, we just cruise along. James says this, James says that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. Any of you ever sailed or done any boating, right? Okay, you set that rudder, right? Now, does the wind or the wave go contrary to that? Yeah, what do you have to keep doing? Keep going that direction. Tonight, what direction is your life going? Where are, are you making plans to succeed? Are you looking forward into the future, expecting great things to take place? Expecting good things to happen, right? Or is that, what, is that the way we're doing it? If that is the case, we speak then. We speak then those things proactively into our life. And that plants God. That plants that power, the power of God into your life, into your future, into these areas. Do we see that, yes or no? So during a time when great obstacles come, understand that it's first, the first thing it tries to do is to take out what you're speaking or to change what you're speaking. Any of you ever played sports on team sports? You'll understand, man, you're in the fourth quarter. I play basketball. And my, my, my senior year, we made it to the state tournament again and we're there in the very first game, two of our starters got taken out. One of them broke their wrist. The other one got a, an elbow to the gum and, and, and had to keep his heart rate down because if he didn't, it'd start bleeding again. So he couldn't play. So two of our starters are out, right? And our coach, what did our coach do? He gathered us together and he go, well, that's it, boys. We're done. Tournament's over. We're finished. <laughs> what does it do? All right, here's the adjustments we're going to make. And here's how we're going to do it. And here's how we're going to win. Right? And we ended up playing. We ended up making it all the way to third. We won third. We took third spot in, in state. And the team we beat was the team we had lost to 
both in districts and in regional. And we ended up playing them for third in state, and we beat them with two of our starters out. Why? Words, everybody. Words. Be proactive in speaking in times of turmoil coming your way, and you will see, you will see difference made. And some of you might say, well, Pastor Bill, I've been, I've been speaking for a week, and I haven't seen anything. Really? Wow. Awesome. Okay? I don't know about any of you, but for me, it was 90 days after I began to speak consistently. Right? Which is about equal to seed time and harvest, if you think about it. Planting seeds, and then what happens? Harvest. And then what I see people do sometimes is they'll start seeing harvest change. Things will begin to happen in their life, in their finances, and all of that, and then they get quiet. Everything's going good again. Well, what happens 90 days from then? Nothing. There's no harvest. There's no seeds being planted. Be an everyday planter if you want an everyday harvest. Be an everyday planter if you want an everyday harvest. Because that's the way it works. Understand that when I'm speaking God's word, when I'm speaking his promises, I am releasing his divine nature in and around everywhere around me. I want you to go to uh, first, uh, Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 2 here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. That through these, through what? Those promises, right? Those great, exceeding great and precious promises. That through those, you may be partakers of the what? Everybody say divine nature. The divine nature. How does that get access? How does that get planted? How does that get placed into the world around me? It does by you aligning your mouth with speaking. What does God say about this situation? What does God say about me in this situation? And I do it day after day and week after week and month after month and obstacles come and obstacles go, but I am proactively making plans for success in my life. And by constantly doing that, I am turning the rudder of my ship, right? The other thing James uses is a bridle in a horse's mouth. That's what my tongue is. And I steer myself towards God's best in my life. If I sit there and I'm just quiet, it's like, it's like going out sailing and not ever using the rudder. Well, what's going to happen to that ship? What's going to happen to that boat? Huh? It's done. You're going to go in circles. You're going to go wherever the wind blows you. You see that, yes or no? That's step one. Step one is proactively speaking what God says, speaking God's word over. And when you come into situations with folks, they don't believe, they're not seeing straight, do not get angry with them, do not get upset by it, but instead bind those blinding spirits and do this. This is the next step. I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Very familiar. Most of you probably uh, memorized this in Sunday school. If we could put that up there, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, it's joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now, we're going to camp here a little bit on this in this aspect. Back to the beginning. The sower plants what? Word, right? Okay. And that, so that seed, that seed that he plants is the word, and the word is what? Or who? God. So in essence, what he's doing is he's planting these seeds, and that seed is God. Okay? When you bite an apple or any fruit, if you will, what's inside that fruit? Seed. Now, I want you to stop and I want you to w- just let that soak in because this is, this is big right here. This is big right here. Within the fruit is the seed. Okay? Now, I want you to think about this for a little bit. In relationships to the world, if you want to plant God's word into those situations the greatest and best way you can do it in most situations is by producing the fruit of the Spirit. Do you see that, yes or no? I'm going to give you an example of this, and I might have shared this story. I, when, in coming here, I, I, I love to share this story, so I'm, you might have already heard it. I put myself through college working at Walmart, and uh, my, when I finished my final year of college and I came back to this little town that I, was, uh, that I had grown up in, back to the Walmart there, uh, I had gotten promoted to uh, um, uh, department manager. I managed auto, uh, auto and sports, all right, was the, was the areas that I, that I managed. And there was this one particular guy who he managed the, the food department, right? And for whatever reason, this guy just had it out for me. He didn't like me. And I couldn't ever figure out exactly why it was, but but I think it came to, down to one of my departments was usually at the front of leading in the region all the time. And so I was always getting some type of award, uh, you know, just some little $25 gift certificate that they gave out to the department manager who was doing the best, right? And I, that's the only thing I could figure out. But man, this guy just flat out did not like me. And he went out of his way to make rude comments to me. Uh, to speak negatively. I mean, it was on and on and on. It was always this confrontation with him. And one morning before the store opened, this was before the Walmart was 24-7, and we were stocking the shelves, and I was back in the back. He cornered me in these pallets. The, the pallets are stacked up on both sides like that. And he comes up and, I, and, and starts getting in my face. And it was just me and him in the back. And at that time, I, I, I was spending a couple hours, it was before I got married, so I was spending a couple hours at least uh, in the gym, I could bench, you know, and for me, this was a lot. For some of you, it's not much. But I was benching over, well over 300 pounds. I could squat over 500 pounds. I, I was a pretty big dude at this time. And visions of just grabbing this guy and slamming him up over the boxes and just taking him out, just these visions came to me, all right? Now, I know you're all a lot holier than I was at that moment, so this, is not, this doesn't have anything to do with you, right? But, but that's exactly what I was thinking and what I was wanting to do. When no one else was back there, this had been gone on long enough. I had had it. Now, meanwhile, though, every day I was praying over this place that God would move in this, 
that all of these people who were lost, that didn't know Jesus, would, be, would get saved, that would experience God's love. And I literally, every single day from the time I parked my car and I would walk in, I'd bind the blinding spirits in that place and I'd ask God to send laborers and I would pray over everybody in there, right? <laughs> and so here's my golden opportunity, right, to get in a fist fight with somebody that I'm trying to get saved, right? Okay? And that, like I said, those visions of that was, going through, was just going through my head. Well, in that moment, I listened instead to what God said, and he spoke very, just very softly but very clearly. Bill, bless those that curse you. Do good to those that do wrong to you. Pray for those that, that despitefully use you and persecute you. So in that moment, and I'll tell you, my teeth, I gritted my teeth, and under my breath, the best I could do was say, God bless him. That's all I could do. That's all I could get. And I walked past him, I just pushed myself past him, and I went out, and I'm shaking, man, right? If you guys have ever been in that moment where you're wanting to do something else and you're instead going to do this, and I walked out, and as I'm walking down two more aisles, once again, pallets stacked up like that, one of the assistant managers were, was two rows over, but she was a short little gal, so, so I couldn't see her over the pallets, but she was back over there, and she'd been listening to the entire thing. And she's like, Bill. Why in the world didn't you just lay into him? You could have mopped up this place with him. And I said, Tina, God says to pray for those that do wrong to you. And I kept walking because I was so mad, man. I was the best I could do. I walked out. Well, day gets started. Activities happening. You know, the day gets started. You got people coming in. You're just doing your thing. And I'm going back into the back area again because uh, I had to go get something, pricing something or whatever it was. And I passed her coming like this in the back again, and she stopped me, and she said, Bill, where do you go to church? I said, well, I go to this Faith Christian Fellowship. I go to Faith Christian Fellowship. I said, when's your next service? I said, well, it's Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. I'll be there. I said, all right. Kept going. Nick's, how many, you know, you know sometimes people tell you they're going to go, and then they don't, but whatever. But I, I, next night, man, or Wednesday night, she was there. She came. She went up front at the end. She gave her life to the Lord, went back to the store, brought two or three more people the next week, two or three more people the next week. Within weeks, guys, Walmart, this Walmart that I'd been praying over, broke out into revival of people getting saved all over that store. Now, <laughs> I want you to understand this because this is key and this is critical in you affecting, making a difference where you're at. The way you get the seed of God, God himself, into people's life, produce the fruit of the Spirit. And as they, because what did I produce right there? What was the fruit? Think about it. The, love, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. There was some of everything, right? This is like a little plate of fruit. It was pretty much all of it, right? And who, part, who ate that in that moment? Who, the fruit of the Spirit, guys, the fruit of the Spirit, people are who partake of that. When you walk in the love of God and, and you do what is good for other people instead of you, who eats of that fruit? They do. And what's on the, what's on the inside of fruit? Seed. And what is seed? What is the seed of God? It is God. 
God, move in my community. Produce fruit, Jack. Do you see that, yes or no? Do you see how this is? We overcomplicate this, and we find ourselves, God, move in this place. God, I just, I'm, I'm so tired of people being ungodly in my work environment. God, move. Produce fruit. Do they see you operating in the love of God? I remember one time I'm, I'm, my shift was, at one point, was from 4 a.m. to 12. So I would go in early, early in the morning, 4 a.m., work eight hours, okay, would work eight hours, and that's just rough, man. And I don't know if any of you ever worked that shift. I don't like it, and I, I like my sleep, man, and I'd be getting up and going in there and, you know, all that stuff. Well, we would have a break sometime around uh, five or six o'clock, and I'd go in there, and I was just peaceful as could be. I'd fall asleep. I'd take a 15-minute nap on break. And I remember this one girl, she kept asking, Bill, why are you so peaceful? Why? What is this about you? This, it's, it's inhuman how you can just walk in here, fall asleep, and you're out in just peace. How do you do that? And the joy. Now listen to me, everybody. When you operate in the love of God, the joy, love, joy, peace, when it doesn't make sense, are you the peaceful person during this COVID time? Are you the person that's at peace? The fruit of peace being produced in your life? Are you the one being long-suffering in your community when people are, are angry and outspoken and you're the long-suffering one? Are you the gentle one? When you produce the fruit of the Spirit, you are releasing God the seed of God into them. That woman was looking for an answer to her life. She was looking for something different. And when that fruit, when that was presented, it gave a way for God to go into that situation, Pastor. And when she partook of that, her life was never the same. That gal is still serving the God. All of these people, we stay in touch through via Facebook in church serving God today. Because of that encounter, because I chose in that moment, and it was hard. It was not an easy choice. But am I glad I did that? That I decided to be long-suffering with this guy. That guy was lost. He didn't know anything. Years later, his son ended up leading him to the Lord. Years later. And what would have happened if Bill Walton, this youth pastor at this church, decided to just trash that guy? Could have I done it? Do you see that? Yes or no, everybody? The fruit of the Spirit being produced in your life allows God to move in and make a cultural difference. Because I'll tell you this. They can laugh, they can laugh at you about what you believe and what you say. But when you show love, when no one else is, when you show joy, when no one else is, when you show peace that passes all understanding, no one, no one, no one can take that away from you. That is when the world will see something different. When you love somebody who is unlovable, when you're feeding people, when you're feeding the community, when you're feeding people spiritually, they'll look at your life and go, there is something different about you. And that is the open door that God is looking for. Not you getting all angry and fighting. Anybody can do that, right? I said anybody can do that. 
Anybody right now can find something to get fired up about. Anybody right now can get all excited and I'm on this side and I'm on this side. But the love of God, everybody. The Bible says this in, in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love has no hidden motives. Right? It keeps no record of wrongs done to it. And I love this part. Love never fails. You know what that means? Love will never get an F on a test that is presented to it. Ever. Love will never fail. Well, what does that look like in my life? What does that look like? Love is seeking the good of the ones around you, not just you. When you're in a crisis situation, you know what ends up happening? Your eyes, all the eyes get pointed back to you. You're looking at you and your stuff. And do I have enough? And what's going on with me? But God's love will turn your eyes to look outward and look for others who are in need. Who do you know that's in a worse situation than you are? Find a way of serving that person. Come in here and volunteer and serve those people who, are, who don't have food on their shelves at home. And I will tell you, the fruit of love, guys, it will give away. It will give away for God to go in and affect the community. 